0: Good day, fellow hoteliers, and welcome to episode 191 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. I'm your ringleader, Pete DeMeo, and today I'm joined in this three-ring circus by none other than Melissa Kavanaugh. Howdy ho and Phil Furiska. Welcome back, everybody. I was going to give you guys some cool circus names. I didn't know if it was going to be like, you know, you know head monkey <laughs> or, you know, elephant trainer. So I, I didn't know what to give you guys. I don't know nearly enough about circus. I want to
1: be a
0: lion tamer. Can I wear the lion taming hat? You can be the lion tamer. There okay. you go. All right, Phil. So lion tamer's taken. Where
2: what you would next? you say the other one was? Elephant Wrangler?
0: Elephant Wrangler, monkey leader. Or? You're the
2: monkey leader.
0: Okay, I'm the monkey leader. Alright. So so who are you going to be? Uh
2: I'll I'll be the elephant Wrangler. Alright,
0: congratulations. Well good. So we've got a pretty cool episode today. Phil's gonna to be walking us through some pretty interesting things as it relates to all the things that we can do to help drive demand. So one of the things that we have right now is a, a lot of people looking to stay at the property, but that's not going to always be the case, and we need to find ways to find new guests, and Phil's got all the details on that. But before that, and actually even before the newsaroo's, I realized something today. What's that, Pete? That between you and Phil, you guys have superhero-esque type pets. So your dog's Aurora, right? Yes. So she's based on Sleeping Beauty. Yes. And Phil has two pets that are from the movie Unbreakable. You have the Unbreakable dog, but then you have also have Mr. Glass, right?
2: <laughs> that is very true. All right.
0: Tell us about Mr. Glass.
2: Mr. Glass is the best, nicest dog, but he has all of the health problems. His name is actually Copper. He's a big old bloodhound. But he, uh, he, he breaks weekly. And then... He's
1: extra the other, special. He
2: is extra special. Uh, sweetest guy in the world. But man, he is uh, hes a problem. And then his little sister, also a little bloodhound. That's I shouldn't little. say little. She's 100 pounds. Um, she is indestructible. And she is not the best mannered dog in the world. She, she likes to jump on people. She doesn't listen. She's uh, she's tough to deal with. But she never
0: breaks. So there you go. We have the superhero pets. I have two cats that are completely unremarkable, They're as most cat. cats are. Yeah, They're Just cats.
1: <laughs> I've okay. just upset all the cat people. I'm sorry.
0: Hey, I'm, I'm not a cat person, but we have two cats, and it doesn't bother me at all. So we do have one correction of the week. We don't have a jingle for correction of the week, but we probably need to work on one because I really messed up, and our friend Adele completely called me out for it. So last week I said that Samson was the biblical judge who ruled on the the case of the two mothers. And it's actually Solomon the Wise King who was the the proper person who figured out who was the true mother of two moms that were fighting over a baby. So that was on me. I apologize and let it be known that Solomon the Wise King was the correct name I should have used.
2: Pastor Pete got corrected.
0: I did. I absolutely did. So that that was on me. I'm going to make sure that I don't make any more mistakes ever. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. So that's pretty, That's what we got.
1: I'm pretty sure that uh, you are not a superhuman, so you will probably make more mistakes in your life. That's I my will.
0: I, I just need to make sure that when I make a mistake that Adele's not around to, to call me out on it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we, we got some stuff in the newsaroos. You guys want to dive in and see what we have here? With hotel marketing we cannot
1: lose, now it's time for use the Yeah. Nice.
0: That's awesome. I love that jingle. All right, so the first one we have is from HSMAI, and it's a really cool article entitled How Hospitality Marketers are Managing Post-Pandemic Businesses. I really like this one because, one, I like things that are, are brief and to the point, and I like things that are in bullet form, and this one really ticks all those boxes. But it goes over three things that are really important to consider as we leave the pandemic that we're in. The first one, which I found was really interesting, was guest reactions to the current cleanliness policies. And just to kind of back up a little bit, HSMI interviewed and surveyed different properties, including Extended Stay America, IHG, Outrigger Hospitality Group, and several others to find out what guests are actually thinking. And of all the companies that they interviewed, they all had one thing in common, and that was customers did not actually care what the post-COVID or COVID cleaning policies were. They only cared that there was a policy. The guests were on vacation. They weren't so concerned about viruses or anything along those lines. And as long as a property had some type of COVID clean or clean commitment. That was all that mattered to the guests to be able to say, yep, you've got it. I'm okay staying at your property. I thought that was very, very interesting.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. I mean, we know that our survey data has since the beginning of this pandemic shown that safety has been a priority, like number one, and their biggest thing preventing people from traveling up until recently was fear of all the things guest interaction, et cetera. So it's interesting to hear this perspective that they just want to know, you know, yes, there is a policy. I'm assuming the guest just says, well, there's a policy, so it's getting done. Well,
0: think about it. I mean, in reality, most of the things that we have objections with in life can be solved simply by the person that we're working with saying that it's not a problem.
1: Yeah. So. I also, the, the uh, second bullet point here, though, is saying that um, that it's just not attracting, so that, that information is not attracting people into the funnel. And I take issue with that statement because I have data that suggests otherwise. And I always say, let the data do the speaking. Um, And we know from our own clients, I mean, again, it's not millions of dollars worth of revenue, but there are some people who come in via natural search or other methods that land directly on a website on the COVID page or FAQ page or policies page and end up booking from that page because obviously that was, it was the last thing. It must've been the last thing on their checklist, so to speak, of making sure this was okay before they booked.
2: Right, and I think what Melissa's talking about there is we're 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 looking at the landing page report. So they may have visited your site uh, or you know at least explored your property a few other times prior to searching that. I mean, I don't think it's realistic that that's someone's first search is right. your brand name plus COVID policy. They hit your COVID page and then make a booking, right? So they probably have seen your site one or two other times, but that was the last thing that they needed to know before... Before making the booking, and that was where they landed, and then they continued on through the process down the funnel. So um, it's definitely still important to some people. Uh, probably, you know, a good a good bit of people. I think it's important to only in the sense, like Pete said, just make make it known that you have a policy that you're doing something about it. No one's really going to grill you on what exactly are you doing about it. Just. What, what have you been doing over the past few months to keep things clean? Continue to do that and let guests know that you're doing it.
0: Well, I think that's the entire point. Having that policy is super, super important. Melissa's data and what Phil just said is exactly on point where if you have that and people are looking for it, you need to have it available. Even if they enter that page as just a springboard into the booking process, if you didn't have that COVID policy, that cleanliness policy, they wouldn't have found your property or they would have found it through an OTA or even another property for that. Result. Yeah,
2: they, they would, they would, if that's the information they want, and you don't have it, they're going to go somewhere else to find it.
0: Anyway. Exactly. And then there's one other thing that article that I thought was really important. And that's the third main point was regarding staff turnover and burnout. One of the great comments I saw was that, the staff is working harder and harder than ever trying to do everything they can to keep businesses afloat and have really been struggling for the last 18 months while they've been delivering day in and day out for the property. And don't forget about them. You know, now that we're kind of coming out of everything, I think a lot, most people that we talk to have more business than they can handle. Don't forget about your staff. Make sure that they're feeling welcome. You're a hotelier, not just to your guests but you're also a hotelier and a servant for the people that are working in your property every day to make it what it is. Yeah. And
2: on, on that last point, Pete, I, I've heard this from from a handful of clients now uh, that had to furlough some employees. And, and the quote here is saying, you know, when you furlough employees, they're going to have to look for other employment uh, and they're going to see what else is out there. And they might, they might find a, a more stable industry than the hospitality industry, something where they, you know, wouldn't be furloughed, uh, uh actually a handful of the ones I talked to were, were in California and they lost a lot of employees to Amazon, uh, people who worked at the hotel, then went to go work uh, for Amazon facilities, you know, fulfilling orders, um, where I guess they were making similar pay and we know for a fact that's probably, <laughs> that's never going anywhere, so.
1: They're probably making uh, more pay because we know Amazon has a much higher, you know, minimum wage than everything.
2: Right, so right. there's that. So, yeah, you, I mean, it, because they, I guess, had to furlough employees, they're never getting those employees back. And now the ones that they bring in, they they know now that they really have to take care of them and don't don't force them to find that other opportunity that may be better.
0: Yeah. And the thing that you lose when you furlough or let go a longtime employee, it's not the position that you lose that's so important. It's that institutional knowledge that's been destroyed forever. You know the person who knows that the the door on the cleaning closet is tight and you have to jiggle it unlock it. Little things like that or or where data is stored, where how guest history is easily accessed, all that stuff just can go away. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about your staff and how you need to take care of them that one, you need to keep them around because they know a ton more than you probably think they do. But then two, you have competitors out there looking for staff and they're paying the going rate now. So a lot of your staff may feel underpaid and underappreciated simply because they've been there the whole time. And newer people getting hired are, you're competing against the the high rates of unemployment, how, how much they get for being unemployed compared to what you might be paying now to your existing employees. If that made any sense. It did.
2: Yeah, I get where you're going with that, Pete.
0: <laughs> you're mowing what I'm growing. <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, that's the news of ruse for today. We're ready to dive right into the main topic, which is We got a, We film. got a
2: stat of the week. We got oh. a stat of the week to lead us into the main topic. Awesome. Well, what is it? What we're talking about today is how to analyze the performance of display campaigns. your demand generation, but how to analyze the performance of displayed demand generation. So I wanted to take a look at some click-through rate averages for the travel and hospitality industry. So uh, nationwide search campaigns average a 4.68% click-through rate. Display campaigns, your demand generation campaigns, 0.47. So 4.68 versus 0.47. So what that tells me is not too many people are clicking on display ads, but that's not to say they're not important. So these, what we consider dis- you know, display is an upper funnel. It's, it's the billboard effect, um, image ads you see across the internet, uh, on websites, on, on social media. Um, these image-based ads, we know people see them, we know they retain the information, but they're not always clicking on them. And they're, and they're definitely not to be overlooked. Uh, we we recommend our clients participate in these if budget allows because we know that it increases demand uh, based on previous efforts from from display. Now they don't always turn into a great return on ad spend, but we know that they aid the performance of the lower funnel campaigns, like like branded campaigns, because it gets your name out there. So. We know that display ads, like I mentioned, they're not only, you know, some of them are hotel-specific platforms like OTAs and travel sites. You can show display ads on TripAdvisor and Expedia and things like that. But you can also show them on non-hotel-specific platforms like airline websites or GPS navigation apps, social platforms like Pinterest, Facebook, et cetera, Um, and, of course, Google ads, Microsoft ads allow you to show display ads you know, through their networks as well. Um, and you can be as targeted as you want to be there. So I think we'll talk about targeting for a little bit too. Um, display ads, they, you, know, you can still refine your targeting to find the right people at the right time with a display ad. And since you already know a lot about your typical guest, um, from most common age groups uh, to geographic areas where they travel from. You can, you can target your display ads to those groups. Um, but definitely use that knowledge that you know about your typical hotel guest to inform your, your targeting of your display
1: ads. So I have a question, Phil, that I think comes up just about in every clubhouse room I'm in for like four weeks now. And the question is, well, now that Apple has ruined the world, how do we target people?
2: You-, you can you can still target people geographically and um, demographically to a point. What I think what we're losing some of is um, interest-based and behavior-based. So through the majority of the platforms you're going to run display ads on, uh, you can target people that way. Um, so. And, and, I, and I think we all know this, uh, your home state is likely driving the majority of the traffic and bookings and revenue. Um, I think we see that across the board, uh, but there, there are definitely other areas that you should know by looking at your analytics where your business is coming from. So at very least, your, your display ads should be targeting, uh, should be targeting that. Um,
1: is it true that you could still do look-alike audiences? So if you were to upload a list of your existing client database to, say, Facebook or wherever, you could still do look-alike? To target. a point,
2: right? So yes, if if people are not opting out, right? right? smart people like us aren't saying you know no don't track me show me completely irrelevant ads that i don't want to see uh <laughs> you know the people that are saying yeah i i allow it uh those people will still get the targeted ads uh like you're talking about they can still fall into local-like audiences um however for the ones who opt out the way i understand it we're going to lose a, a good bit of that
0: yeah and, and a lot of what apple's privacy settings are, are regarding app usage specifically, right? So for instance, sure. if I have, you know, newest Facebook pixels, and I use a lookalike audience, or I'm using their retargeting platforms, or even you know from Google's perspective, if I'm using a display campaign via Google, I really haven't lost much in the way of targeting, have I?
2: No, not really. Um, Your you're, Google is still pretty darn good at their interest-based, and in market targeting based on you know people's previous behaviors most most of that is is still going to remain. What we're talking about uh, from from that Facebook perspective is is losing a little bit of insight into um, behavior, other behaviors a, a, as in you know what your what your interests are based on your other app usage. but none of it the the, the first part about it is they make it seem like it's tracking all your personal data and every click you make across every platform you use. And that is truly just not the case. And for us as marketers, it's, we're
1: getting screwed on that pop-up is just awful. And if they explained it better, more people would allow themselves to be tracked.
2: Really? I think I I feel like, I feel like Twitter, as much as I don't like Twitter, they, they did it well, where they said, do you want relevant ads? Yes or no? (laughs)
0: <laughs> like,
2: and, yes i want
0: relevant ads
2: right I'm, I'm sorry i don't want irrelevant ads i don't want you to show me stuff that i have zero interest in um i'm gonna see ads anyway right it's not like the ads are going away so at least show me stuff that i have some interest in uh the way the way that apple's handling this is so dumb in my opinion and and on, under the guise of oh we're protecting your privacy it's like no you're 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 gonna ruin my experience.
0: Well, the difference is one has an ad platform and the other one really doesn't. <laughs> you know, you, you know, Twitter is incentivized to make sure that they are serving the right ads. Apple, a little bit less because that's not necessarily their primary business. So, and, and really what it comes down to is the customer is the they're the customer. They're the ones that are being served the ads. And if you don't create that value proposition for them, what is the use for me to be better targeted if the only thing is, would you like to share your private data with third-party companies? No. But Twitter says, you know, would you like better ads? Yes, I see the value there of getting more, more relevant content for my own interests. Yes, I'll take that.
2: This is definitely a, an entire discussion that we could have on, a, on another podcast. Um, and we should. And we definitely should. Uh, but yeah, I think um, for, for this conversation, let's just focus on, yes, display ads can be targeted. They should be targeted. Um, and the majority of platforms where you're running display ads, you're still able to target people based on their geographic and demographics. All right, cool. So guess what? We're going into tracking display ads. So most display platforms do offer tracking pixels that you can place on your site in your booking engine um, or have custom URLs that allow you to track all the information from impressions to clicks to purchases. Like return on ad spend is definitely a metric you're going to be able to view, but For our purposes, and especially what I'm explaining today, it is not the sole determining factor of the success of a display campaign or demand generation campaign, because we know after guests see this top of funnel demand generating ads, these display ads, they're likely going to use a bunch of different devices and and probably quite a few channels, which basically I, I say reduces the accuracy, but it... All, all, but eliminates the accuracy of the return on ad spend metric. Um, I, I don't like looking at return on ad spend uh, when it relates to display ads, just because I think it's very unfair. We know people don't really click on display ads. When I, and the stat of the week was, you know, a average, industry average click through, it was point four seven percent click through rate. People just aren't clicking on them, and a lot of times they do. It's a mistake because of how display ads are placed um, so when you're when you're setting up your tracking, definitely set up the tracking. understand if somebody clicks your ad and actually makes a booking that's that 's like the cherry on top metric. The return on ad spend for display is you know oh my gosh, this actually produced a booking that's fantastic, but there 's a bunch of other stuff we need to look at so that leads us into the next part. the actual kPIs for Demand generation, display campaigns. This is where it gets fun because it's not it's not just that uh, that simple. Yes, I got a click. Yes, I got a booking. Woohoo! Everything everything worked, and and we're we're getting this you know great return on our on our advertising dollar. So I have a handful of things here that we need to look at to determine the success of this. So this is essentially your. You know, think of display as your your digital billboard right we know traditional billboards you really you're gonna really have a hard time determining how this truly impacted your bottom line but from a digital perspective your digital billboard the display ads we can get a sense of how it affects your overall brand awareness and demand in your property by looking at a few things so the first one I like to look at is Google Trends. If you're not familiar with it, just search Google Trends and click on Google Trends and you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. So this tool, it's it, it shows how many people, not, not a solid number of how many people, but kind of a, a trend of the demand of a certain keyword or topic. Um, so you can type in the brand name, your brand name, and it'll show you you know, over the past 12 months is the default. When people are searching for your brand, what's your peak of people searching for your brand? Um, You can compare, you know, you, you can change the date range to month to month, compare to previous period, compare to previous year, and kind of see how your demand shifts. So when you're running display, you want to see, you know, from the time you started the campaign till the time the campaign ended, and shortly thereafter, how did your display ad campaign affect the overall demand in your brand. So using Google Trends, you can kind of see, did I get a lift over the previous period or the previous year, or did I not? And that's just a, a portion of how you judge the success of this. So Google Trends is one of those. So and if you,
0: you, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Pete. No, so how do you look at that in terms of getting actual valuable data? Because a lot of times when you look at Google Trends, data, either it's, is it delayed in terms of the data that we're getting back? Or when we're looking at the data, if our search volume is so low, does it become irrelevant anyway?
2: Correct. If you're looking at something that has no search volume, you're really not going to get a lot out of this. But we've seen this when you run a display campaign, you start to see more and more searches around the brand happening and you'll see a, a pretty noticeable spike in Google Trends from when you started your display campaign to, uh, you know, I guess, shortly after the display campaign ends, you'll see a lift and you'll notice those type of things in Google Trends. And if you notice that, you can you can say, all right, well, I'm, I'm pretty confident that my display campaign had an impact on the demand in my brand. And if you go to the article associated with this podcast, I will give you a breakdown of how to use Google Trends, how to compare date ranges, and a variety of things you can see within Google Trends. So once we have that data, we want to pair that with some other Google data. This is your Google Search Console data. Um, Within Google Search Console, we can see the number of impressions and clicks we can get for various brand-related queries. And Again, you need to look at this basically the lifetime of your display campaign and, and shortly after to see You know, when I'm running this campaign, you know, I know I'm not getting a lot of click-throughs directly on these ads, but is it causing more brand-related searches? So very similar to what we're looking at in Google Trends, we can see in Google Google Search Console, um, again, comparing date ranges, comparing to previous period, comparing to previous year. During the lifetime of your display campaign, are you seeing an increase in brand-related queries? uh and you can you can kind of filter all the the query report to show you just brand stuff. So that that's another indicator of whether or not your display campaign had an impact on how many people were searching for your brand. That seems very helpful, Phil. <laughs> You're welcome. Got a couple more. Nice. All right. We're listening. This one's this one's from Melissa. So Another, another indicator to see whether these demand generation tactics are having an impact is looking at your overall site traffic. And I say overall site traffic in the, in the fact that, you know, this is channel agnostic. Do not focus on, you know, just organic. Um, when you're running your display campaigns, are you seeing a lift in everything? So organic, direct, paid, uh, referral. Um, that you want to look at, you want to look at everything to see, all right, during the lifetime of this campaign, am I seeing a lift in traffic to my site? This, again, it's just an indicator of brand awareness. Uh, a lift in traffic means more people are looking for you. And if you, more people are looking for you this year compared to last year, or this month compared to last month, depending on the seasonality of your business, um, This is just, a again, you pair this with your Google Trends and your Google Search Console. You need to look at all of these things collectively to say, do they all match up? Are they showing me similar results? Am I seeing a lift in brand-related queries? If you are, you know your display campaign is working.
1: So this is where I would caveat my one sentence that I have said I don't know how many times over the course of this podcast that traffic is not a KPI because you can't put visits in the bank. However, this is a case in point where it is valuable information. It's not something that you're going to put on a billboard for your entire company to say, hey, we got four bajillion visits this month. That in and of itself doesn't mean anything. But what Phil is saying is to be able to compare it from when a display campaign was running versus not. Did everything get a lift? Did it all come together in a cohesive, hey, we did get more traffic and hopefully that did convert, and I know that's where Phil is going next, into actual money in the bank.
0: And I think you have to look at it from that perspective because I mean, the whole concept of display is it's a lot more of a push or a pull campaign than something like a email or PPC where people are actually in the process of looking for your brand and you're guiding them through that funnel. I mean, you're trying to start someone in the process. By looking at your site traffic, by seeing, yes, I have more people coming in, and I'd, I'd say look at your average value per user as well to kind of get an idea of you know, is the traffic that you're driving qualified and, and do they make bookings at the same percentage rate? You know, are you bringing the right people into your site? Because if all things are equal and you increase your site traffic by 10% and your bookings go up as well, that's a good sign that you're probably heading in the right direction.
2: Yeah, and I would I would add to that, Pete, and say that, you know, say you get um, you get a ton more demand that you see in Google Trends, you get a ton more brand related searches that you see in Search Console, and you get a ton more traffic, but your conversion rate tanks. Well, then it may be a targeting issue, and you should go revisit where you were running these ads or who you, who was seeing these ads, and tweak that and test it again and see see if. Maybe it was a targeting issue, or maybe this truly isn't working for your your generating demand in your brand.
0: True. I and mean, I think it's one it's you gotta say, rarely ever is display doesn't work. That's that's a poor statement. The display always works is also a poor statement. It's how you use it and how you test it to see what's improving that will decide that for you.
1: There is a traffic metric that I would caution people about using in the year 2021 and beyond and that is either the users metric and or new users you know in a previous life i would have said hey if you're running a brand you know generation campaign you would hope that the percentage of new visitors to your website would increase but in this day and age with all the tracking issues with the cookies with all the things I just don't think that that is a fair metric and multiple devices. I just don't think it's a fair metric to look at. So I would just caution people to not use that as a judge of success. I I think Phil is right with using actual sessions or just overall traffic numbers versus users or new
2: users. Yeah, that could be very misleading. Yeah, I think sessions is fair, but back to the point where Don't look at one of these by itself and say, yeah, my display campaign is working because I saw more site traffic. Make sure that that correlates right with what you're seeing in in the, like I mentioned, in in Google Trends. Are you seeing a brand, uh, a lift in demand for your brand in Search Console? Are you seeing more brand-related queries coming through? And does that also relate to an increase in traffic? All right. And then lastly, what everybody truly cares about, and I said that is not a a good metric for success of a display campaign, it's still a good metric for success, which is bookings and revenue. But again, we're going to take a channel agnostic approach here and look at this very much like you look at your site traffic uh, when comparing this, and again, lump it all together. Are we seeing a lift in bookings and revenue? Does that correlate to my lift in site traffic? Does that correlate to the demand shown in Google Trends and uh, and the brand-related searches in Google Search Console? You need to compare all these things together and make sure they're all telling the same story. And at the end of the day, if you are telling the same story and all of these things that we're looking at, you know that your display campaign had a pretty darn good impact on the demand for your brand and your brand awareness. So none of these by themselves are, 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 are a good thing to say Yes it, yes, it worked or no, it didn't. You need to look at them all and you need to show, okay, it, it, are they all showing me the same result?
0: And one thing I would say with bookings and revenue is keep in mind, that's going to be a lagging indicator for something like a display campaign. You're driving demand. You're not necessarily pushing them directly into the booking. So if you see site traffic go up and the lag time between someone starting a shopping process and actually making a booking is 15, 30 days, whatever it is, understand that by the, the day you run your display campaign, you should not be looking at bookings and revenue really at all, I'd say. I'd say just don't even pay attention to that un- until it starts making sense from your customer's perspective of when they actually do make bookings.
2: Yeah, yeah. you need to, you need to take your typical booking window into account, and that's kind of what I was saying originally is... You want to look at the lifetime of the campaign, so the dates the ad started till the dates the ad stopped, and then shortly thereafter, whatever makes most sense for you. We typically say about a month after. Uh, So date the campaign started, date the campaign ended, month after, and that's the period of time that you should be looking at.
0: But Phil, but Phil, you don't have RLAS on this list. What do we do?
2: (laughs) I don't, but... I, it's again. It's important to look at. You can track these things through your display platforms, especially Google and Microsoft. You better have that set up already. But if you're running on, uh, you know, we we have a few display ad offerings. Shameless plug, um, that are not Google and not Microsoft, and they perform very well. Low low cost per thousand impressions. Uh, they all offer a pixel that you can put on your site and your booking engine to see if you know, someone who saw your ad. So a view through conversion, they saw it, but they didn't click on it. And then they booked anyway. So you can kind of get a, an idea of how many, how many people did that. You can see how many people clicked directly on the ad, came through and made a booking. And that's your true ROAS um, metric that that you should see. That is all the the cherry on top. If you're getting direct bookings from a display ad, kudos. That's, that's fantastic. But the The goal of a display campaign is generating demand, generating brand awareness, which is why we look at the KPIs I mentioned earlier, and we look at them all together rather than
1: individually. And we also know that attribution theft is
2: real—very, very very real.
1: Which is why this system that you've put together here is the fairest of them all. Well,
2: thank you, Melissa. (laughs) I tried. This was this was my, uh, uh, I don't know what to call it, my fight back against attribution theft.
1: I think it's well done, Phil. And I actually heard uh, somebody else, gosh, I wish I could remember who it was. It was in uh, Ed's 8 o'clock clubhouse session a few days ago where I think it, people were talking about display and somebody said, like, you just... Nobody's ever going to know the quote-unquote real answer on ROAS of of a display campaign, but if you look at everything, if you like total up all your paid stuff, like all your your stuff all together, and you can say, okay, how is my marketing performing mm-hmm. at the whole? It that's a better picture. Oh, and, and that's it's so a- hard though because you know that clients want to know, like, I'm spending this money. What am I getting for it? And I I totally understand that. And and also
0: keep in mind, though, I mean, you know, both Melissa and Phil, that we're on the the digital side. And I think display is harder for us than it is for someone in in a traditional agency, because everything that we do from the digital side you know, if it's PPC, if it's meta, if it's email, if it's whatever, we're able to look at a very concrete ROAS of performance. And when you start getting to the traditional advertising or demand generation side, you do have to look at different KPIs. And if you don't get that mind shift in place, you're always going to be looking at display and saying, oh, display doesn't work simply because you have the wrong view on the whole process
2: right and, and that's that's the thing Like when you when you set out for any marketing campaign whatever it is that you're spending advertising dollars on have a goal that's what I'm saying the goal of this is not ROAS the goal of this is how does this lift everything else that I'm doing how does this how does this lift demand for my brand which I know results in getting more people to the bottom of my funnel is it is it worth it in that sense am I seeing lift across the board that's how you judge the performance of this. It's it cannot be how we judge bottom of funnel because this is a very top of funnel approach. This is this is getting people who, you know, may maybe just starting their search for a trip. This may be getting people who don't even know they want to take a trip yet. Um, th- that's who you're reaching with these type of ads. If someone's searching for your brand term and types it into Google and then clicks on your ad and makes a booking, we expect that person to book. We expect really high click through rates. We expect high conversion rates for this, you know, for demand generation. This is how we get people to get to that bottom of the funnel, searching for your brand on Google, clicking on it and booking. So that that's the type of thing we look at, you know, all around is, is running your display campaign checking all these boxes. And you can even you can even throw your you know your OTA performance into that as well. You know, are you seeing more, I hate to say it, are you seeing more OTA bookings uh, when you're running display? Yeah, that's not the it's not the ideal thing to have happen. But you know, if you see you're running a display campaign and all these all these TripAdvisor bookings, and that's why we're saying they'll you know, look at bookings and revenue as a whole and not not a specific channel. Are we seeing occupancy go up? Are we seeing more bookings and revenue all around come through? Um, and then that can, again, you, you lump this all together. When you run your display, is it lifting else, everything else up? If you can say yes, then it was then it's a successful campaign. You should probably do it again.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think you have to look at it from the 30,000-foot level. And it also cannot be a let's try display for 30 days. Because by the time you know if it's working, you have already stopped. I kind of mm-hmm. see display as one of those things where you want to continually be running some form of display to generate that demand because it's, it's going to be one of those things that kind of permeates across all your marketing. It's the driving force for people who do the searches that convert the best. Your I, brand... would, I would
2: disagree with that a little bit, Pete. Yeah. Because I would say that if you're constantly running it, you're never going to know what is working and what is not. Cause if it's constantly running, you have nothing to compare to a period of time where it wasn't running. So, so, so how do you,
0: how do you decide when to stop then?
2: I would say that you, you, you set time frames, uh, particularly when you're running something worth like a special worthwhile. I think that is worthy of a display ad. Yeah. Um, it, in those cases, then, you know, that's, that's when I would go for it. And then, you know, take a break, uh, Whether it even be for just like a couple weeks, take a break um, and see if you, you know, see a noticeable downshift in demand and then flip that switch back on and if it picks back up, you know, do that for a while. And then if you know that, okay, every time I turn this back on, it's, it's performing well for me, it's lifting everything else up, well, then I think it's safe to say, go back to what you said, Pete, it's safe to say, all right, that means I have my targeting down correctly. That means my my, the images and my ads and the specials that I'm running are are attracting guests. Okay, it's all working. Then we can continuously run it. But you want to nail down. You want to make sure that, that you have those things in place. Your your targeting's correct. Your your um your ad creative is correct. The specials you're running are are are, are generating that demand.
0: Yeah, I I definitely buy that, and I agree that you have to kind of start off with that aspect of it. But truly, if it does work, then then keep keep the pedal down. It's, it's tough because, I mean, Melissa, like she says, always be testing. Display is one of those tougher things to test because yes, you can look at click rate, you can look at everything else, but at the end of the day, it's such a lagging indicator because you want to know actually how many people booked at your property.
2: Right, and, and it, it, if, you, if you want to take it back to like the most traditional of medias, the, the billboard on the side of the road you know how do you judge whether that works for you or not? You know, oh, it is, people <laughs>
1: scanned all those QR codes in two thousand and ten. <laughs> QR codes. Because we we, we have to highway. bring that back on billboards.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you you look right. So you 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 put a big old billboard up on the highway, and your your walk in traffic, you know, doubles. And then you take the billboard down and it falls, and you put the billboard back up, walk in traffic doubles. well, okay, then the billboard's working, something like that so that that's how people used to judge these these type of things. Um, it's kind of similar in the way we're we're looking at display, uh, but we just have a lot more ways to determine whether display is working or not
0: yeah and I would one of my takeaways for this podcast would be typically we're suggesting direct conversion events, direct conversion tools that PPC, email, whatever it might be that immediately are driving bookings, but you can't look at that as your only option. You do have to get more into the traditional display campaigns that are going to be driving the demand because as we get more and more competitive, the world is opening back up. We have to have some way to get in front of consumers that we assume are going to start traveling, even if we can't measure it to the granularity that we're used to
2: right and and i should i should kind of back up a bunch here make sure your lower level advertising is working very well and and streamlined before you start backing up into this upper funnel stuff um you need to make sure you have a a a great click-through rate a great conversion rate on your let's start with brand and then we can back up into like a long tail non-brand and then broad and then okay then we go back and we try some some of this demand generation display type stuff. So make sure you're, uh, you're you're converting very well in the lower funnel, and then then back your way into this. Good advice. Cool. That's all I got for you guys.
0: Well, that's a whole bunch of information. So I you know a, a lot of our listeners are typically in the digital space, but it's definitely something to look at and say, okay, what, what can I do to start? Finding those new guests, because they're out there. They're starting to travel. That's what we're starting to see. They're not starting to travel. They are. They're already traveling full speed. So, uh, you know, we have here in Myrtle Beach, we have the Carolina Country Music Fest that just kicked off at the time of this recording yesterday. And seeing the massive, the shots of just the massive crowds in front of the stands is insane. And...
2: We're back. Oh, like, <laughs> we oh my Oh my gosh. I
0: think we're, we're – we're 2019 would be jealous of what we're seeing right now. So, you know, people are definitely traveling, so make sure you're out there getting them. There you have it. Well, cool. So I think that wraps up everything for Episode 191. Hey, Phil, you had a whole bunch of information here. If they want to find more information about you, where would they go?
2: You can find me on LinkedIn at Phil Fariska.
1: All right. How about you, Melissa? I'm on LinkedIn or on Clubhouse at Melissa Cavanaugh,
0: K-A-V-A-N-A-G-H. Awesome. Same thing for me, both LinkedIn and Clubhouse at Pete DiMaio, P-E-T-E-D-I-M-A-I-O. You can find us all together at TravelBoomMarketing.com. And you can find the notes to this podcast at TravelBoomMarketing.com slash podcast. And just click on episode 191. So yeah, so that's what we got. Don't be sad, though, because we're going to be back next week again with some more hotel marketing news and tips and tricks and all the good stuff to help you make you the best hotelier you can be. And that's all I got for you guys. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Goodbye. All right. Hey, also Phil, I believe we have ourselves a review on iTunes today.
2: We do. We got a brand new review. This is a five-star review and it says, like a fine wine, this podcast gets better with age. Now that they got rid of that rambling Aussie, the podcast has never been so good. A must listen for every hotelier. That review is from Stuart Butler 10. Ooh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. <laughs> I like how he also thinks he's an Aussie
1: yeah <laughs> but he also said the news jingle has also improved recently and oh. he would like to bring back B News I, 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 I am surprised that Phil, Phil
0: shunned you like that Melissa <laughs> I,
2: I, you know what I should have opened the review I was just looking at it on the main review page
0: yeah <laughs> Yeah, he says, uh bring back the newsroom jingle is improved recently and PPS bring back B news.
2: Pete has B news and we're gonna have it for the next episode.
0: Bzz, 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 bzz.